0: In our series, A String of Pearls, Dutch Buzz contributors speak to people who have made an exceptional contribution to our local community, people whose passion for what they do have had an added value for the city of The Hague. A true inspiration in our international community in The Hague, Laurence Blairon has played several valuable roles in our lives here. Starting out as a journalist for French news agency AFP, Working for the UN, and our international courts, and finally coaching people with eating disorders. She's a gem, nay, a true The Hague Pearl. Having triumphed over binge eating as she turned 50, she now gives hope to a host of people with the same disorder. I spoke to her about her colourful career paths, and her newfound freedom.
1: I have been living in The Hague for like uh, over 30 years now, so it's quite a lot actually more than the period I spent in Belgium, my my country of origin. Let's go back
0: to those early days in The Hague. How did you establish yourself?
1: Well, I um, looked for a job because um, at that time my boyfriend was studying and we didn't have any money so I started to apply for a job and I found a job here in The Hague at AFP, that's the uh, French press agency AFP. That was a small bureau with only uh, three people at the time, a secretary, um, a chief, a bureau chief, and myself. So uh, we started operations and uh, it was a beautiful time because with such a small team we used to write about all kinds of uh, topics, uh, politics, economics, sports, even culture, society, about drugs and uh, tulips and, and, um, and soon also the uh, international organizations uh, which came in the Hague, the ICTY. I was there when the ICTY, uh, the, the tribunal for the former Yugoslavia, was established.
0: So you were there from the start? Absolutely. Did that yeah. become a bit of a speciality for you?
1: Uh, well, we, we were uh, asked to write more about the international organizations. And at some point we said, well, you know, we're just a small team, so we have to, uh, to get back up. So we got uh, an anglophone uh, journalist uh, and then an, an additional French journalist uh, to, to help us with these tasks.
0: I think we bumped into each other many, many years ago, I think more than a decade ago, when you were involved with the um, Business Network International. I had to hesitate there because I always think Business International Network, no. That would have made a BIN. You don't want to be a BIN. A BNI.
1: BNI, yes. That was um, years after my, uh, my time as a journalist. Uh, and after being a journalist I got to work for international organizations because I uh, became uh, an information officer with the International Court of Justice then I became the head of the information department and external relations I spent there like 14 years or something but I moved to the ICC the International Criminal Court where I worked as a spokesperson for just one and a half year and then um, I started my own business, that, that was the, for me the moment I was like, oh yeah, of course I could stay here, but my heart is really in the, in the writing and uh, I want to get back to, to that. So I became uh, an independent um, um, worker, let's say, starting my own business in uh, copywriting in French and helping Dutch companies to communicate in French. And
0: now you are a specialist on eating disorder and specifically um, binge eating. That is like an enormous leap.
1: <laughs> it, it is indeed and, and the thing is, you know, all these years, actually since I was like in my puberty, uh, I had been suffering from a, a, an eating disorder, um, dieting, Uh, binging dieting again etc for years and years and fighting against uh, overweight because in the binge eating disorder uh, you keep everything inside you don't uh, make yourself uh, throw up compensate or take laxatives or anything so you are uh, you are getting overweight and this has been like kind of a red thread throughout my my whole life and has had major impact in my on my personal life and also my my work life also, because you can imagine that, it's, um, that there's a mental price you pay for, uh, for this. And um, when I reached the age of 50, after trying lots and lots and lots of things, including uh, therapy, uh, uh, acupuncture, uh, even I had a, a gastric band, uh, lots of dieting, of course, I found the solution to my disorder and it was... So that was a
0: personal triumph. Oh, absolutely. Um, And and can I ask, you know, what was the factor? Uh, How did you eventually, after 50 years, uh, triumph over your binge eating?
1: Well, um, that was on my birthday. I decided uh, okay, I've been living like that for 50 years. I've been trying anything, everything. Um, Do I want to live for the next 50 years in the same way and the answer was a clear no and I was committed to find a solution and so I was I took my uh, journalist uh, cap uh, I I put my journalist cap on again and I decided that I would just look for what was on the market which was new what was not uh, offered in the Netherlands in Europe and okay so I I got myself um, into search mode And I eventually, uh, after, it was not immediate, it was like five, six months later, I came across a number of new um, techniques uh, coming from the world of the uh, neurosciences. Especially from obsessive compulsive disorders. Uh, And it was an eye-opener for me because this urge I would feel to binge, to, to have these massive intakes of food every time. It came very uh, close to what people who have an OCD, an obsessive compulsive disorder, also feel. They are not crazy. They know that, for example, washing your hands a thousand times per day, that's no rationale be- behind this, but they are not crazy. And so, um, there, there's something there that makes them do that, and I have, I had the same feeling while while binging. That's that something in myself forced me to do it, and I couldn't stop it. And then I discovered that it was um, actually a, a, a pro- kind of protection mechanism in me, an instinctive mechanism, and that I could fix it. It was like a bug in my brain, and I could fix it. And that was great news
0: <laughs> and now you're sharing your knowledge a lifelong knowledge with
1: patients clients mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm coaching uh women and men um along the those techniques who, who help me and i get the same results and they are amazed because they have learned that they needed to focus on their eating patterns on their on the content of their plate basically uh, or on the management of their emotions and uh, what I learned them, what I teach them is that they have to focus on the habit, because yes of course an eating disorder uh, is born out of an emotional need or uh, because of a shock or, or anything you know in the past but then when you repeat an action over and over again it becomes a neural path it becomes a path in your brain a habit, and it's not the emotions anymore, or the trauma, or anything that makes you binge now. It's the habit, and you can um, reprogram the habit, and that's what I learn them, what I teach them, and and it works. And then I get to work with people who have also a history of like 20, 30, 40 years of binge eating. And they are amazed that they can get a result within a few months.
0: Is there a a stereotype? Uh, What are the characteristics of a a binge eater? Or is that not possible to determine?
1: It is. Yes, it it is. Um, You are a binge eater when you have um, a binge episode at least uh, once per week for at least three months. And that you have the experience of losing control during the binge, so um, you can't stop. Simply, uh, also you feel uh, that there is something in you forcing you to binge, and also um, you um, the binge behavior has a great impact, negative impact on your life. There is a lot of suffering. There's a lot of shame and guilt around it. When you have all these factors together, then you can say that you are a binge eater. And lots of people simply think, Oh, I'm the only person in the world who cannot stick to her or his diet. And that's not the case, you don't, have, you don't need willpower to um, overcome binge eating. You just need to work on the bug in your, in your brain, on the habit and then you can get out of this vicious circle of dieting, restricting, uh, getting frustrated, and then binging.
0: I think we all, in our daily lives, have uh, a yen for something really specific every now and again. Um, I have it with chocolate, from time to time. Where does the threshold lie? I mean, I I will
1: devour a whole slab of chocolate in one sitting. You know, if it's, happens occasionally, that's okay. I mean, we are all emotional eaters because, you know, food is um, yeah, it's so much more than just uh, um, fuel for us people. Um, it's linked to uh, our culture, our families, memories, uh, and also pleasure. I mean, and, and it's okay to have pleasure from time to time when it becomes a behavior which is really standing in your way, which is preventing you to do the things you want and creating uh, a lot of negative consequences, like overweight, like shame, like, you know... Lots of my clients also don't do the activities they would like to do because there's a lot of shame, because there's a lot of, of fear also around food and how they behave. Um, in social occasions around food. When it becomes really a burden, then you have a problem. Because you know most of the, the people uh, will from time to time uh, take the chocolates and, and eat um, too much, let's say. But when it becomes really regular and that you are suffering from this behaviour, then you have a problem. Do you have any adult patients? Yes. Yes, uh, because I don't work with people uh, under 20, because under 20 you still have what I call an adolescent brain, a teenage brain. So there's a lot of um, impulsivity there, and um, maybe you're not uh, yet uh, up to really um, reprogramming your brain, or at least so the neuroscientists tell us. So, um, I work with people above 20.
0: That's interesting. Um, Do you not suspect sometimes that things can be corrected at an earlier stage if parents are more conscious of the dangers?
1: Well, you know, when I look at my clients, one thing they have in common is that they have been put on a diet or Impose themselves a diet at a very early age because there's a lot of stigma, there's a lot of um, negative uh, judgments um, around um, overweight in our society and overweight. Um, doesn't necessarily um, happen because someone is eating a lot there are lots of people also who have lots of other problems like stress like poor quality of sleep hormonal disbalances medication um, gene uh, defects etc so there's a lot of stigma uh, around people who are overweight, but that's not always very justified because sometimes it's just not your fault. And I, I
0: mean, just have a look at every magazine uh, that has to
1: do with fashion. I mean, what pressure doesn't that put on people? It puts an awful amount of pressure, and also we hear all the time also that overweight is causing lots of uh, diseases, and 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 we are blaming also now, uh, nowadays people uh, for being overweight uh, and and uh, uh, having COVID, etc. And actually, this stigma only makes things worse because when people go on diets and restrict and restriction is what eventually creates the bug in your brain because your brain doesn't want you to restrict your brain wants you to eat normally but not to uh, um, control your weight that's the job of your body and brain together once we try to manipulate our weight you get into the problems yeah you
0: mentioned um well can we call it obesitas and The way people relate that to COVID, um, less immunity. um, Is that an issue
1: with the people that you treat as well? There's a lot of concern, obviously, and what I um, teach them is really my techniques and the techniques from uh, the neurosciences have as an objective to calm down your brain when you create calm in your brain and that you, instead of fighting against your brain and your body but that you really um, take them let literally in, in your arms and calm yourself down then you can find a place where you can eat with love for yourself and respect for your body and eventually when you heal your brain and relax your uh, attitude vis-a-vis food without categorizing it into uh, good or bad black and white and see that you can uh, you're absolutely able to have this nice relationship with food then the behavior follows so it's the other way around Uh, change your thinking and then you will change your behavior and what we are doing in our society which is by the way complete um, schizophrenic, because um, We want people to have a certain body and weight and at the same time on every corner of street you see (laughs) The fast food joints (laughs) the fast foods and, and everything you know So we are constantly invited to consume and to eat and at the same time we should be in control of our weight so there, there's really a, a kind of bizarre message that, that is sent to us constantly by, by this society. Um, and uh, we take it from, okay, we need to change the behavior, so let's look at the content of your plate, and then you will find control, and that actually never works. It, it leaves you um, every time uh, in, in a kind of uh, stress uh, because you you see yourself uh, fail every time that you don't follow the rules, and it makes the relationship with food even more complicated. You operate
0: from your base here in the Hague. Mm-hmm. How prevalent is it in the Hague and in the Netherlands, and how do we compare to other parts of the world?
1: Mm. Um, I work online, so actually, my clients come from all parts of uh, the Netherlands oh, okay. and, and even Belgium. I work in Dutch, but I can also work in English if need be, uh, or in French, by the way. Um, and in the Netherlands, um, lots of people don't even know that they suffer from binge eating. So it remains unrecognized for. Yes. Yes. They just think like I'm not I'm, I'm not able to stick to my diet I'm a failure it's it's really my uh, you know I I lack uh, willpower I lack uh, discipline or anything and then they, they don't even know that they have this eating disorder but it's estimated in the Netherlands that abso- approximately 200,000 to 250,000 people in the Netherlands have uh, binge eating disorder so it's
0: much more prevalent than I ever thought it was. Really?
1: Oh yes, I mean it's it's and way how do we, more.
0: Uh, yeah. How do we compare, for, for example, with the the US?
1: Oh, it's 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 approximately the same. Yeah, it's approximately the same. The only thing that I should mention is that um, because the persons who dare to ask for help are mostly women, we believe that it's a woman eating disorder. Uh, typically uh, a woman thing but my experience is that men suffer just as much only generally they don't diet but they uh, go to the gym and they try to replace fat by muscle but it's kind of the same thing you know and if they diet they try for example um, protein rich diets so it doesn't feel like a diet but it's a diet also so it's it's a bit different but i, I believe that uh, the number of women and, and 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 men having binge eating disorder is approximately the same only you don't see it in the statistics because there's so much shame for men to come up and 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 go to a doctor or anyone and, and say oh, i think i have a problem here because you know it the taboo is is really even worse for for men
0: that's so interesting You know, a a lot of people are complaining about their COVID bulge or the extra weight they put on in the last two years. Is is stress in our society uh, in any way
1: connected with binge eating or or not? Well, it could, it could, because um, if you are already having some overweight, Uh, and that you see yourself putting on more weight because you are stressed and you tell yourself the story that you need food to cope with stress which i believe might be a story at the very beginning of the eating disorder but then afterwards it just becomes a habit that you perpetuate by telling you the same story over and over again then yes it might just uh, exacerbate the eating disorder and Um, I don't know the statistics uh, exactly with respect to COVID. I'm not even sure that we have them. But in the last 30 years, let's say, there has been really a surge in eating disorders and especially binge eating uh, disorders. Uh, So that that wouldn't surprise uh, me. Um, Of course, COVID meant that we stayed more at home, you know, uh, you might say, okay, then you have the fridge, uh, uh, and and let's exercise and everything. But at the same time, you can say, okay, but we don't go out that often, so we don't uh, go to restaurants, etc. Okay, we bring the restaurants at home by by having everything delivered. Okay, that's possible. Um, I don't think, in, in particular, that that COVID would have uh, w- would be the culprit for 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 uh, putting on weight. I think it's it's really more. The habit which has been enhanced because we tell ourselves all these stories and we tell ourselves maybe that we need to comfort ourselves or, or, you know, things like that. But in the meantime, you know, I have discovered that once you work on the habit and um, wipe it out of your brain because it's really possible (laughs) again, I want to give hope here because it's really possible. I did it and it's possible, my clients do it as well. then you can hear these stories. Okay, you know, I need some comfort or I need some uh, relaxation or whatever. And it doesn't lead you to food anymore. You find new ways to deal with that. It's absolutely possible. Lots of people do it. <laughs> so you can do it as well.
0: Yeah, well, that, that sounds so hopeful, Laurence. I hope that people uh, that listen to what we've just been talking about um, see a way out. Now I think we'll come to the the more personal part. I asked you to bring along something off your desk, something off your bedside table, and and a photograph that's precious to you.
1: Yes, well, on my desk I always have this uh, snowball. And uh, that's an object I use also during the coaching sessions because um, the snowball, you can see the snowball as um, your mind. And when you shake it, you see all these uh, little... uh, Glitters or or snowflakes and there's a lot. There's a lot and generally your head is full of faults and and worries and everything and then you can decide what to do. It's it's, for me. It's really symbolic. It's to remind myself that that we are absolutely able to master our mind and to be to have a, a mind that works for us in positive way. You have two choices. You can run after each snowflake or glitter and put it uh, on the the ground. And probably when you do that, you you run everywhere in the snowball. So actually it makes things worse. (laughs) Or you can just stay calm, observe them and see how the snowflakes slowly land on the ground. And calm yourself and say to yourself, you know, okay, I see you, snowflake, I hear you, I see you, and you know, I don't think you deserve my full attention, so you can be there, but I'm not going really to give attention to you. And that's something I use also in the coaching because you know, we, we are not our faults, so we can decide which faults we keep with us, we run after. And we can also decide not to do anything with our thoughts. And it creates freedom.
0: Mm, That's something to work towards. Gosh, I'm thinking (laughs) about that uh, personally now. Yeah. And um, what do you have on your bedside table?
1: On my bedside table, I have a a picture of uh, my family. So me, my husband and my two kids. And uh, that's a very nice selfie we took. three years ago when we were on um, a ski holiday Um, and uh, there's a lot of pleasure and fun and uh, that was the year uh, that was the year i started my coaching business as well i started to help other people and it meant so much to me it's really a mission for me to make the knowledge, to spread the knowledge and uh, to um, help more people to walk towards their freedom and I, I felt like oh, I had my life back after all these years and uh, it felt... You got married? in that period yeah, if i, I remember got, I got, correctly yeah, I, I got married and and all the pieces of the puzzle came together and it felt so good i mean i felt i was more alive than ever and i was in the moment i was in the now and and i was experiencing was um, uh, th- th- this joy this really this joy in me and and that made that moment absolutely you know i <laughs> I'm having goosebumps here. Yeah. All the <laughs> oh wow.
0: What a yeah. yeah, what an awakening.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that I see also in my clients, I I really get emotional every time that they feel like, oh, I'm free now. I'm free." Because that is what it
0: is, really.
1: Yes, it's freedom. It's freedom. You get out of your prison of your mental prison of your, you know, it's such an eating disorder is really such a burden and when you resolve it, it's amazing what you, what you get back. It's really amazing. Well,
0: I think we covered the photograph in the same leap.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. 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 Laurence Blairon, coach specialized in binge eating. Thank you so much for all your sound advice and for being our guest on Dutch Buzz. You're most welcome. Thank
1: you, Lilian, for having me. Thank you.
0: Dutch Buzz. Made by the international community for the international community.